The lights out, the lights out, the lights out, black. The lights out, the lights out, the lights out, black. The lights out, the lights out, the lights out, black. The lights out, the lights out, the lights out, black. In the real world, with cars and houses and time, there lived two bohemian housewives with deep Midwestern roots. Then one day, they were airlifted and dropped into the middle of Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Bathtub gin, bathtub gin. The These lights out, the are their stories. Black, black, the lights out, the lights out, the lights out. Black, black, the lights out, the lights out, the lights out. Black, black, black. Was that a blues? It wasn't a blues thing. It actually, it came to me because um, the t-shirt that I'm wearing, which we're going to talk about, um, is a Rock for Choice t-shirt. Well, I guess I'm talking about it right now. We'll, we'll talk about it's it happening. a little bit later. But um, it is, they did, in the 90s, they did, um, like, concerts. They put on concerts. L7 and the Feminist Majority put this organization together, and they did con- concerts in Pearl Jam and Nirvana, both did a lot of Rock for Choice concerts, as did um, Fish, the only, the only um, like charity concert they ever did was for abortion rights. The only charity concert Fish ever did was for abortion rights. They and for so a many while, shows. for a long What's time. Wrong with them? Maybe that's is that am I getting them confused? Because I know that um, well, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, L Seven. I mean, a bunch of it, Joan Osborne. I think. Well, this again will come in later. I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Bikini Kill was involved. Like, you know, it was a, um, I think it was a cool hip Hole? thing to do. I don't know if Hole was, but Nirvana certainly was. Okay. So the lights out in black and bathtub gym are coming from Nirvana, Pearl Jam, uh, and Fish. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you just for did, repping so hard. You just did like a quick audio collage, like <laughs> in, the, in the five seconds of prep you had before you started. I will te- testify to the fact that you had five seconds of prep. Thanks, girl. Brava. 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 Cheers. Brava. Cheers. Happy Roe versus Wade Happy anniversary. Happy Roe Wade anniversary. It's real. It seems 40, like one of those wait, things you 20, don't want to say happy in front of, like happy funeral. Yeah. But actually, you do. Mm-hmm. You do actually want to say happy. This is a major celebration. Yeah. What is it, 42 years? That sounds right. I think it's 63. 42. Yeah. Uh, not 63. 73. 73. Yeah. That's what I meant. 63 Feminine Mystique published. That's true. Wrong. Yes, 66, now founded by Freddie, but Betty Friedan, published in 63. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big, it's a day. Today's a big day. There's another, I mean, we're going to, we're, I'm just going to say a couple things really, because we are going to talk about um, the personal being political today. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Roe versus Wade. We're going to talk about abortion rights. We're going to talk about... Um, it's all my fucking favorite stuff. And Becca, mm-hmm. I know that it means a lot to you as well. And you have, you know, your own experiences in this stuff. But, for, you know, for me, I am. This is the stuff. I love abortion so much. <laughs> I love abortion yes. so much. Yeah. And I just, you know, maybe that's the title. I love abortion. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've been searching for what. I think what, that's it. But, but yeah, so we're going to talk about that. But I do want to. I am. I have a direct view. We had a couple things to kind of check in before um, we get into the meat, the thick of it, the big time stuff of it. Um, I am looking at a pink s- skirt hanging mm. on a wall right now. Yeah. And I wanted to know if you could talk to me about it a little bit because it's you gave it. <laughs> you just gave it to me. I did. I brought it over in a plastic H and M bag. I was wondering, just kind of yeah. rolled up in a bag, like, like it was set nothing. it on the coffee table. Like it was like, nothing. I have to tell you about something in a minute, and then we talked about some other things, and then for like a while, for a while, and then I was like, okay, I have to show you this thing, and I don't know if you want it. You know, I'm basically I'm just showing it to you, and I don't know if you want it. <laughs> 
And if you want it, it's yours. But otherwise, I'm just showing it to you because I think you'll think it's cool. And the reason I thought you would think it was cool is because yeah. we'll, we'll wind our way there. Operation yeah. Ritual Room. Whoa, we're starting there. No, wait. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like... No, you went to a clothes swap. Just well, start no, there. No, no, it's okay. D- trust me. I got it. Okay, I got okay. It. She's got it. I trust. I trust. I trust. I trust. So, Operation Ritual Room, when we were taking things off your wall in the office, you had you very centrally located a photograph of Sharon Olds, the poet. Yes. And... Which I've told- had... Since I was 19, up on my wall above my desk. Every desk I've ever had, I've had it above my wall. And you told the story of what people do every time they see it. Yes. They They... say, is that your mom? (laughs) Everyone thinks Sharon Holmes is your mom mom. because she's like the framed woman above your desk. (coughs) Which makes sense. It's a good guess. Yeah, it's a good guess. It's fair, fair, (laughs) fair, fair. Reasonable. I read her in a very, you know, pivotal point in my life. So even though, I mean, it was a collage full of things above your desk, even though I knew she was there, like, I wasn't really thinking about her as, like, a figure important to you. And she very until much Until this past weekend, when I, we took her down to make room for Kali. <laughs> we took Sharon Olds down to make, make room, room for, for Kali. Because that, that is how sense? we do. <laughs> Doesn't that just, like, feel right? Like, Sharon would appreciate that, I feel. She'd be like, yes, please, move me to a different situation. That is how we do. Um... Oh, Those are the kind of swaps where... Yeah. We swap it up. Sheriff of Kali. Sheriff of Kali. We're on kind of like a higher level swapping... Swap. Situation. Do you need more Situations champagne? over here. Yeah. Thanks. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. So, Sharon Olds came down. And then, the and other then... night, I was at a clothing swap where there were a bunch of women poets, and one of the poets is the personal assistant to Sharon Olds. And I showed up late to this clothing swap, and I just thought, like, everything cool would be gone. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I picked up this pink skirt, and it was, like, pearlescent pink. I can't! It looks like a seashell, a seashell of a skirt. It is. It's, it's like just a like a tu- fucking awesome it's skirt. It's a flower petal. It's a flower petal of a skirt. It, yeah, it looks like Tinkerbell should wear it. We'll put it on the blog. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. And I pick it up just thinking, like, what a cool skirt. And then someone says, oh, yeah, that's Sharon Old's skirt. Because like, you what? die. What are you talking about? Like, why? I mean, I know that maybe, like, poets don't think other poets are celebs you know it's a little, <laughs> a little harder or something like oh yeah Sharon Olds is just just my professor or whatever for a lot of these people I, but I was just like why is no one taking Sharon die. Olds fucking amazing pink skirt like to this is mine now this is mine now and so I grabbed it and I started making jokes about selling it on eBay but in the back of my mind, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was going to bring yeah, it over did. here to give slash show to you if you didn't want it. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, I was like, what? This is Sharon Old's skirt? And then people around me like thought that was like maybe a joke. And Everyone takes I, themselves so seriously. No, it's like, it was funny. No, no, <laughs> I know, I know. But I'm just saying like... <clears throat> I know, but in so many circumstances, I, I, I was not there, and I have absolutely zero idea of how, I'm sure it was the most loving, perfect environment. Please, it's like a room full of women poets exchanging clothing. I'm sure it's incredible. But I do find sometimes that people are, like, unwilling to, like, not in this circumstance, but just in general in life, like, see the magic in the way that you yeah, want to see it. Exactly. Which is a sad thing. That's where yeah. I'm coming from. So, okay, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. So, um, yeah, well, I guess, like, when I said, like, Sharon Old Skirt, and I was kind of freaking out for a second... Then it turned into a joke where people started picking up like other pieces of clothing and they were like, oh my God, it's Billy Collins' overalls. It was real funny. That's amazing. It was real funny for a while. But then at the end, I asked my friend, I think I asked Marissa, I was like, Hey, like this is really Sharon Olds' skirt, though, right? Like, I know we just turned it into this whole big joke joke, where we're naming like like, Yusuf Yusuf Komenyaka's. you know, t-shirt or whatever, but, like, this is really Sharon Olds' skirt, right? And she was like, yeah, it really is. So, anyway, verified. verified. It's verified, (laughs) and it is now hanging on a hanger in my newly created ritual room. Yeah. 
And the ritual room was the office. I'm just going to segue us right into it. The ritual room was the office, and, and we talked about this in our last episode, was we're, we did Operation Ritual Room. Sarah Louise came down, and Becca was director, film crew, and tech crew. <laughs> And a champion beyond. You can't even imagine how well, we lost incredible. a day and a half footage. We so lost I some fucking footage. Champions, who cares? It was a champion. You, you, uh, you know who was not a champion? iMovie. I will put it that way. Yeah, iMovie is not the champion. You know who is though? Becca Claver. We figured it out. We did a lot of amazing work. It's so what's r- important. It's true. And like the thing that number one, Operation Ritual Room goal was friendship friendship number two was to create a new workspace yeah. and a new ritual room sacred space it's so and number great three our new studio here we are yeah we're gonna studio. talk we're we gonna talk about it but number three goal was to have footage yeah of it so like everything accomplished more content in 2015 oh yeah. i gotta text you guys <laughs> fun um but it is we are in a completely new Studio it's, space. It's the best. We're seated we're in, a in a different, different kind of configuration. So it feels really tell good. Tell us how our voices sound. Yeah, do we sound Email normal? Email us at realhousewives at bohemia.gmail.com. Pretty sure that's the Gmail. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting to say. Oh, we have a Tumblr. We have a Tumblr. We have a Gmail. I always mean to say this at the end of the episode, but why not just stick it here? Let's do it while we remember. 11 Here's the thing is that we have a Tumblr, and it's dope. It's pretty dope. Yeah. It's it's it. Sometimes it lags. Sometimes it's an overflow. It is totally typically Bohemian housewife. Yeah, I always <laughs> every single time. If you like what you hear, you'll like what you see. If you like what you hear, you're gonna like what you see. Period. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> you can read our bios. Yeah, there's some very intense bios going on. We also, as of there's some inside tomorrow, jokes on there we're too. going to start. Re- week in review again. Oh, interesting. There's a fun fun thing. Every week we do a personal week in review. And that can be anything from a photograph to an essay. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's anything that we like. And it's anything that you guys love. So let us know what you love. Real House. Exactly. Of Bohemia, a Bohemia out there. At gmail.com. Dot let Tumblr. Dot com. Dot everything. Know, dot com. Just kind of do like get a few touch. different variations on that. If it if you get a and we're gonna start. Reply, do, are we gonna mail start Damon only... reject message? Yeah. No. Don't. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> Mailer Damon. No. Are we gonna get a? We're gonna get a Facebook page. But we're also gonna get. Are we gonna get a Twitter or no? That's too much. Just a Facebook mm, page. You guys tell us. Twitter's too much. We, okay, let's say. But we, we get, probably need it. I if get we it. Get I know. Three emails that say you guys should have a Twitter. We'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really low bar. It's a really low bar. And this is just to say I we're, don't, we're trying out our communication forms. Just as Mercury goes into retrograde, we're going to try to communicate. Just three, though. It's not that bad. Anyway, there is a Gmail for sure. That happened. That's Email real. us there. Yeah. We have a Tumblr for sure. And let us know. And we have an iTunes and a Podomatic for sure. We have all the stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> just one of those ways. Three votes is all it takes for us to get a Twitter. All we need. Wait. Okay. So can you tweet at us personally? Oh, nope. You have to send an email. You have to send an email. I think. Yeah. Okay. Is that fair? I think so. It's up to you. It's not like you have to pay postage or anything. It's not that hard. Should we do a postage? Postcard challenge? No. But that would be dope. Oh, we should do one, though, that we, like, send Mm. collage postcards out to our fans. And the first three people to send us their addresses. After a year, 100 episodes or something. We'll get a postcard within the year. No. (laughs) (laughs) It would be more awesome than that. All right. Okay. So, so dope. So we're in a new space. We're in a new space. New table, great. new space. We can cross our legs without it getting caught, mm. which is great. Mm-hmm. We're drinking a lot of champagne because I just booked my first TV gig. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about that? Not yet. I want to talk about Ooh. it later, but I did book it, and I'm real pumped about it, you guys. Video real killed pumped. the radio star. Video killed the radio star. <laughs> Bye, Becca. See you later, Real Housewives. <laughs> I'm gone. That's right. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening We're here. We're already talking about our video projects and everything. Um, 
so yeah, so I'm still looking at uh, Sharon Old's skirt, and I'm just overjoyed. Thank you so much. It's such an incredible, gorgeous, wonderful gift, and I'm gonna, I am gonna put it. Next, I'm gonna put Gloria Steinem's Halloween costume next to it, and it's just gonna be such a trifecta. And when I say trifecta, I mean something else is gonna have to be there to make it three. But do we have time to explain what you mean by Gloria Steinem's Halloween have costume? Have we not talked about that? Well, we talked about it this weekend. A bunch. Well, in yeah. Upbridge, yeah. Oh, maybe well, we did. We did talk about it a You're long right. time ago. During, yeah. Maybe during Hall- the Halloween episode. That's right. Is that yeah. well? And the long and short of it is that Austin, our lawyer, was at a Halloween party, and Gloria Steinem was also there, and she had an embryonic stem cells. Uh, costume that she no doubt wore with like leather pants and a great boat neck three quarter length sleeve shirt and she looked incredible and she took it off at one point and Austin in his genius took it and had it hanging in his apartment for a while and then gave it to me and I have never let go of it and we unearthed it during Operation Ritual Room which was really exciting and yeah dude I want to go for Halloween as Gloria Steinem 2004. That's a great idea. Because it will be her costume and I'll wear Such my like, like leather pants and yeah. like it will be very dope. You've got the shades. It's your grandma's shades. It's good. Oh my. Mm, no, exactly. you can't take them out? No, they're, oh. that's exactly right. Yeah. It'd be really dope. It'd be really great. So yeah, so that's, so that's, so so I've got to put those. Uh, I've got to put that the costume up. Yeah. But yeah, things Gloria are. Gloria Steinem. You know what she loved? What did she love? Abortion. She loved abortion. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Today is the anniversary. I think I believe the forty second anniversary of Roe versus Wade, the landmark decision that made abortion legal nationally in the United States of America in 1973. Sarah Weddington was the attorney who had the case in front of the Supreme Court. And Jane Roe, I think the first thing that she used in this was Jane. She, it was a uh, pseudonym, is that the right word? Pseudonym? Mm -hmm. It was a pseudonym and um, I can't remember I remember like what the ruling was, but I don't remember exactly what she was in Texas and she was not able to obtain an abortion and took it to all like through the entire court system and it got to the Supreme Court and she I do know that she eventually became a born again Christian and like renounced Roe versus Wade and wow. has is now a anti-choice speaker and activist that's insane absolutely it is it's absolutely insane wow i don't know her name and i don't honestly i don't fucking give a shit because (laughs) i don't i don't fucking get you know how i am like i don't care about this fucking like Mm -hmm. i don't fuck like if you're gonna do you want to sing the song what (laughs) i don't i don't fuck with you (laughs) i got a million trillion things that i'd rather fucking do you little stupid ass bitch. I ain't fucking with. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a. I don't give a fuck about you or anything that you do. I don't give a fuck about you. So that's like sort of how I feel about it. Yeah. Thank you for that prompting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I do feel Big that Sean way. Big Sean says it best. I think Big Sean really nails it, and. Yeah, it feels good to say it, and it feels good to say it in these circumstances because, like, you know what? Honestly, fuck her and fuck every single person who doesn't believe in choice. So it's funny, Becca, because when we started this, you're like, so I'm going to be the, like, Lauren, so I, the way that I see this is that you're going to be the star, and I'm going to be, I'm going to question you. And I was like, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. But I do mm-hmm. feel like when it comes to abortion, we both clearly have stories that, like, you know, everybody has experienced this, whether they just have an opinion about it or they've Let's had an call abortion. Them, like, or... two ends of the extreme of... Absolutely. Of Let's say that. What it was right. like exactly. to, to, to become experience. a feminist okay. and think, and about, think abortion. about abortion. Okay. Yeah. So, my, so am I going first? Absolutely. There we go. So when I was... I think when I was 14, it might have been 15, I think 14, I read an article in Rolling Stone. And I th- we are not sure if I've talked about this before, but we're going to do it again. And then we're going to know we've talked about it and we're never going to talk Nobody's about it Nobody's paying attention. It doesn't matter. It's totally fine. Great. 
So I read an article in Rolling Stone about Joan Osborne, and she had done a Rock for Choice benefit concert for abortion rights. And it was um, the early 90s, and that was when fucking clinics were getting bombed, and the shit was real. Yeah. And it was like not nothing was good about abortion rights in America. And I was a young woman, and I had always always sort of like I, I, I didn't get why got, boys got to do certain things and girls didn't I didn't have a brother I was an only child for a, a long time before I had my six siblings and I just like I, di- I just it 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 always made me mad I played sports like I didn't even as a kid like I was just kind of like I didn't understand why boys got to do certain things and girls didn't mm-hmm. but I didn't of course have the words feminist or any of that kind of stuff at 10 years old but by the time that like music had got me reading Spin magazine and Rolling Stone magazine, I had yeah. subscriptions to both. I was and I would read them cover to cover because I wanted to like absorb all the information. I would read the advertisements. I would read the I mean everything, all everything, cover to cover. And I remember I don't know if Joan Osborne was on the cover, but I think that her album Relish came out in '94, so it must have been when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And I it gave information about the feminist majority and it gave information about Rock for Choice, which was under the umbrella of the feminist majority. Like which, the liner notes did? Um, no, in the in the article. This oh, like long oh, article yeah. that Joan Osborne was talking about and these, you know, what she was doing as an activist, as a mm-hmm. musician and and I I think that I sent them a letter because it was nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety four requesting a quote pro-choice action kit which is what and I think I maybe described because of course I did as a 14 year old Mm -hmm. that I was 14 and that I really believed in what they were doing and that I really wanted to help and that I wanted to be a part of it and you know poured my heart out I'm sure in Mm -hmm. some like really cute note and I still have the note that the person sent back to me nice and she sent back the kit and it had like stickers and I also bought the t-shirt that I'm wearing that I've had since I was fucking 13 or 14 really? years old. So wait, oh 20 years. God. I have been wearing this t-shirt for 20 years. It looks like new. Wow. Isn't it unbelievable? Have you just been like preserving it? I've, I mean, it kind of. brand new. Kind of. Wow. I mean, I've been, I've worn it, but like, I used to wear it to Catholic school too. Whoa. Uh-huh. <laughs> Always the activist. We could maybe we should have a whole episode of like Catholic, Catholic school, school badass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. We <laughs> yeah. have to. That's a great idea. I went to Catholic school for nine years. So I went only for two. So, Catholic but I went to CCD. So, like, yeah. I have that under my belt. Um. So yeah. So I got that. I got the this pro choice action kit and my T shirt and this and this note from this woman. And honestly, like, I should try to find her and be like, yo, like. You really like find her name. I think she probably signed it. Yeah, and you know, like you FB her. Yeah, <laughs> FB her and just be like, "Yo, girl, like you really." I was just like this young kid, like that really was moved, because I think what happened is I had read that article, and I had seen this movie, um, "Raise the Red Lanterns," and it's a foreign film. It's from China, and I had seen it in a class in eighth grade, and it was about like before communism had taken over, and it was the story of like the fourth wife of this like wealthy man, and that in conjunction with this idea of being pregnant against your will, and the this film of like these things happening to this woman against her will because just just simply because she was a woman, and that was just the way that things went, I couldn't fucking believe it I just couldn't believe that just because I was a girl in certain circumstances it didn't like my life was in the hands of other people and I I didn't get to decide what happened and that that never was the case for boys and that's not true of course across the board I mean there's of course circumstances that are, you know, horrifying in which, you know, men experience things that happen to them against their will. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's certainly prevalent as well. But living in a patriarchy that violence against women, it's just like, it's like that even I consider being pregnant against your will violence. And 
I just couldn't believe it. 14 years old, like what? You mean I could get pregnant and I couldn't stop it? Like, and I don't know if I understood, like, I don't, like if I was, I was so young, but I just like couldn't believe that I couldn't stop it. And I was like, I'm on board. I will, I want the pro-choice action <laughs> kit. And I, I circulated these rock for choice feminist majority petitions in Catholic school as a freshman when I was 14 years old <laughs> at lunchtime and we none of us were of voting age it didn't even matter the petitions I collected mm-hmm. I had stacks of them mm-hmm. and so many of the people that I convinced to sign were like raised in such great you know very 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 staunch catholic environments and families and i was just like no no it's not like it's not if you want to have one it's like if you like just want people to like if you just want the separation of church and state (laughs) (laughs) it's just a simple separation of church and state like constitutional you don't have to have an abortion it's just that you don't get to decide if anyone else gets to have one like how do we feel so yeah, like that that was that was my early I mean and then I volunteered at Planned Parenthood when I was 16 years old in the clinic and at in the summertime that was I like worked behind the front desk at the abortion clinic in Chicago mm-hmm. cuz that's what felt right to me and I started a feminist group in high school and we did lots of abortion Did you have a name? Activist stuff. Did, the, the feminist group? Yeah. Feminist no, it was called um, the Latin Alliance of Women because I went to the Latin School of Chicago. Yeah. And two of my sisters, well, one of my sisters, well, two of my sisters ran it. Yeah. And Fan three tradition. of my sisters have been, or four of my sisters have been involved in it, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's all four sisters who went to that school. And mm-hmm. I'm really proud of that because we have a long, there's, lo- there's a lot of space between our ages and the organ the, you know the that's awesome what the a, group what a stayed legacy. together yeah More. it's really cool it's really cool the high school group and then in college I did the same thing mm-hmm. I started women at the millennium wham mm-hmm. at the Nor- university of northern Colorado when I was there for freshman year and there's no other feminist groups or any other that kind of stuff and then when I got to Madison I got involved with now and I ran for vice president in action and mm-hmm. got it when I was 21 I think and that's when I met Angela honoring our sisters and Austin our lawyer and yeah I did and then did like lobbied on abortion rights and spoke publicly on abortion rights in and front of hundreds and hundreds of people and where you met and that's where I mother. met your mom which I think is a good space to take over because I was, I, I, let me, I mean, it, it, that's exactly right. Because when I was, let me just set this up. I went to school at the University of Wisconsin, Madison, and I transferred there after going to school in Colorado. And I went to a now meeting, a Madison now meeting to meet people and to get involved because that's how I knew to get involved was through activism. And I was at 20 it was like just before my 21st birthday. It was October. And I went to this meeting. We were all sitting on the floor of this tiny little office that became my home. <laughs> I had no idea that it would. And Austin and Angela were sitting there and along with like 20 other people or you know, 15 other people. And we all went around and they announced that it was the first time I'd ever met any of them. And they had announced that they were looking for people to run for office, for like statewide office. And it was clear that Angela was going to run for president. And Austin was the legislative affairs person, but they needed a vice president in action, and that was someone who like organized rallies and did the legislative stuff, just spoke and you know lobbied the governor and all that kind of stuff. And I like raised my hand and I was like, I've worked in politics before, I know all this stuff, and nobody knew who I was, and I had just arrived like four weeks before. Yeah. And they were like, Well, nobody else is running for it, so like <laughs> you can. And so Angela and I met, and we decided that we were gonna like run, and I was twenty, and she was. 22 I think and we both we won and no one I don't think anyone's there we maybe had a couple of people running against us but it wasn't like that big of a deal but and then we started we've created the youngest executive council in the national now history for a state board and like we did incredible things. We really did great, incredible things and uh, there was a lot of abortion rights into it and I always wondered in that space like you know what 
how this would continue in my life. And it's funny because there, I would, I would debate. Here it is. I, I, I once had on this day, on this day. Oh shit! On no January twenty second. No way, really? I participated in an abortion debate. And I do think that we have, we talked about it on a recording, but I don't think we ever posted it. It was me. And at that time, I think that I was the co-president with Angela of the Wisconsin chapter of the National Organization for Women now. And it was the executive director of Planned Parenthood Wisconsin. And it was um, a gentleman who was maybe a priest and possibly not... Possibly he was a representative. Fucking who knows? He was some white dude that, like, you know, old white dude that had a lot to say about it. That guy. And that guy. (laughs) And the fourth person on the panel was the one and only Mary Claver. Busted. Busted. My mom. Birthed the one and only. Becca Claver. There are so many ways that Lauren and I could have become friends. Uh-huh. Austin King is the most uh-huh. obvious way. And it's that's the way how it happened. It happened. You know, cheers. Thanks. But, in fact, my parents were yeah. law school classmates with yeah, they were. Lauren's dad at Marquette, Marquette University. University. <laughs> Warriors, Golden Eagles, whatever you like. And... Um, they happened to go to Lauren's parents' wedding. Yep. And then later in life, Lauren debated my mom about <laughs> abortion <laughs> in Madison long before we ever became friends. Yes. And I would also bump into her in the Capitol. I mean, we debated that night, this night, but we also saw each other countless times at legislative hearings where you know that it's open to the public to have speeches yeah. before they there's a vote and also countless times just walking around me and yeah. Austin constantly saw your mom I knew your mom long before I knew you yeah and Austin and my mom have like this funny little thing where you know they know they're like on totally opposite sides of many debates but they'll kind of get into it a little bit, like as sure. lawyers, if they see each other, sure. like they can't stop sparring about issues. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, really, you guys? Like, it's just Christmas. Like, yeah, <laughs> let's just chill for a while. But they kind of get into it. So, anyway, the point is that when my mom was in law school, she got the best job out of her law school class, which included very few women. And she got this job for GE, and she was like corporate lawyer for GE, working in Milwaukee, but traveling all over the world, and just had this sweet job, like better than anybody. Not surprising. Then she started to have kids. Babies on babies on babies on babies. Babies, <laughs> babies are central to One, the entire two, discussion. Three, four <laughs> girls, 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 four girls. girls. So four she girls. had the one, Jesse. She had the two, Annie. She had the three, Becca. Me. And guess what? She decided, I want to be at home with my babies. Babies that I want to be at home. With. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like much less weird than it sounds. It's, just, it's maternal love. No, I don't think it sounds weird at all. It sounds totally normal. It's maternal love. I can only imagine you guys were awesome. We were awesome. I believe it. So I believe it. My mom quit this high-powered corporate lawyer job, decided to stay home and be with us, and then. Proceeded to have a fourth Froski. Froski Fro! <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, you know, we grew up for a while, blah, blah, blah. Blobbity, blobbity. And then my mom decided to. Oh, and she had, like, become a Catholic after marrying my dad and all this stuff. And, like, all of a sudden she was volunteering for Wisconsin Right to Life. And then they were like. Boo! And they were like, oh, you're a lawyer? Well. <laughs> We could use someone to write some laws. And so then she started going back to work. And for the rest of the time I grew up, this was her job until she retired. 
she was um, you know, like the legislative legal something whatever at Wisconsin Right to Life, and basically that meant that she wrote anti-abortion laws for the Mm -hmm. state of Wisconsin and she wrote them damn well. Yes, she did. Unfortunately, she wrote them so well that they would get passed. So she would write these bills and hand them off to legislators and they would bring them to the Wisconsin State Senate, etc. And um, and they'd pass. Like Mary Claver, like honestly, you smart jerk. She was a little too good at She's it. so good. She knew all the loopholes she and how knows. to work around them and she wrote and, like, the shit out of those bills. And like brilliant and so brilliant. And wrote brilliant. the shit out of those bills is the problem. Mm-hmm. So when I was growing up I was like, oh my mom knows the governor, Tommy Thompson. And my Ugh. mom writes laws and I was just like this is so awesome. And then <laughs> later, Of course you should be proud though because I mean. Like, it's, confusing. It, I mean it's, it's confusing. It's confusing. Because I thought it was like really amazing. Right. Like the level of achievement she had as right. a woman. It makes sense. And then on the other hand I finally figured out what was going on. Was happening. <laughs> I like, was like holy shit. Oh wait I don't believe in that at all. And so. So that was a complicated issue. And then the only other part I want to tell is. Um. How, when I was in high school, my parents were very conservative in these ways, so I was... But did you or... I'm sorry. Okay. Did you or did you not go to protest when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Right. Are you going to remember the other thing? No. Yeah, that's fine. I'll remember the other thing. So for the very first protest I ever imagine, I ever remember going to in my life, I'm pretty sure that that this is true because I, I don't know how many protests I really ever went to um, were these pro-life protests where we would have to stand in the shape of a cross like for miles people were standing in the shape of a cross on Wisconsin on Milwaukee streets I think it was Wisconsin Avenue I can't remember where exactly we were fucking brutal so we had to stand like in the cold because you know it's cold half the year stand in the cold and hold hands in the shape of a cross for hours for life no but it was just like but was day. it for life it no was, no no I oh, mean, like do we do it every year no 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 i mean was it for like abortion it, like it was like, like for, we're doing this for life it's yeah, the specific it pro life yeah pro yeah. life thing yeah they're both so nice those phrases pro life and pro choice Theoretically, one should be able to be pro-life and pro-choice because they sound so nice. Absolutely. Well, yeah. you absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly pro-life. If you just say the words, yeah, I'm pro-life. Yeah. Like I love life. Yeah, I love life the most. I'm also very happy that I've had two abortions. Yeah, changed my life. Right, made me able to live the way that I. Because guess who else has a life? You. Me. You. Me. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like... Remember that part where we've never valued women's lives? So, of right. course, these fetuses much must be more important than women. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, like, I think that I've never... I mean, we planned to talk about this. I, we, You and I talked about it, and it just seemed like the right moment to drop the bomb. But, like... I talk about it openly to people and I've had people like women start crying immediately who have also had abortions who have never been able to speak about it openly because it's it's this thing that you're told that it's it's about shame and it's about you know it's you're supposed to feel so terrible and so many women do feel so terrible I just I have to say like I never felt terrible in fact it was the most both times it was the most empowering choices I've ever made in my life and frankly it's the thing that I'm most grateful for in my life is that I'm able to continue on the path like I've I've finally found the space that I want to exist in and I couldn't do that with in other circumstances in the same way that I've done it. I'm not saying that if I had kids I couldn't find the the space that I want to live in. I don't think that that's the that's the case, but it would be a vastly different situation and the situation that I'm in in this very moment, I've I'm I'm overjoyed to be in. Yeah. And it was never there was never a thought 
there was never a even a consideration i it happened two years excuse me it happened two times five years apart from each other both times there was never a single question one time was at the very both times were at the very beginning of relationships one person i was deeply in love with one person i was deeply in lust with but like god fuck i'm so i just i i'm so thankful and i'm so thankful to the people that came before me that that made it so that i i didn't have to go into a back alley and and pay somebody who didn't have a medical degree to use dirty instruments on my body to to do something so simple as a as an abortion a dnc just it's it's simple it takes like 10 minutes i just and and these days like it's not taught in medical school you have to like it's like an elective you have to like learn you have to choose to learn how to give an abortion it's really, it's wild. It's really wild. And I think that there's, you know, when we were talking about this, it was like, we were, I was like, well, I, am I going to talk about, it's Roe versus Wade, like anniversary. Am I going to talk about having abortions? And I thought about so many years as an abortion rights activist, I thought like, am I ever going to have an abortion? Like, I wonder, like, I wonder if I'm just, I'm sure everyone assumes that I have. Cause I just talk about it nonstop, but like I talked about it nonstop long, long, long before I ever had one. And yeah, like I'm, I'm proud of it. Yeah. Like I'm like, fuck, and because you did I'm all proud. that work and all of that thinking and all of that activism when it came the time for you to do it, like in a way that probably helped you just be like this is the best choice ever instead of even having to stop and think about it as well yeah and I think it was conflict it it just wasn't ever a conflict because I was just like I don't want this Mm -hmm. like there wasn't it there was nothing there was no conflict zero conflict I mean the second time it was so early it was the first time was at six weeks and the second time was at four weeks and the second time I went in, they were like, it's too early. Like, we don't think we can even do it. Because it was just, like, so, like, yeah. this isn't, I have zero, zero question. I'm not ready to do this. I don't know if I ever am going to be, but I know for sure that this is not the moment right now. And whether I, or not I'm never able to, like, say I, I say, I, I never end up having children like I still won't regret these choices ever yeah. because I've lived the life that I got to live and like I'm so thrilled with it and frankly I know plenty of women who have had children very young or at this point who would say I've gotten to live the life that I've lived like wanted to live yeah. and like I there's no there's no I, my joy in the abortions that I've had has no judgment in the joy that people have when they have children. Right. It's just a but different... But that's what choice means. Exactly. That's why, like, that term exists. Exactly. Because, like, all the choices are good if yes. it's the choice that you really want. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And it's like... And I think it is... I think what we decided as we talked about it is it's like it is a radical choice to talk about it because it is so... I mean, people cry to me when I just even say the words like, oh, I ha- I've had an abortion. Yeah. Because they've never heard someone so, they've never heard, so many people have not had the opportunity to have an open, honest dialogue with an acquaintance or, and even if they, it's just because it's something that's so full of shame. I mean, even with friends of mine. What does that even fucking mean? Why? I know in certain cases, but there are tons of people I know who like, I have no idea, you know, what the answer to that question is for them because, yeah, it's not. It's not a topic that comes up even among women who are close. No. Unless, you know, it's like 2 a.m. and yeah. just the two of you and whatever. Yeah. Having three bottles of wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. I will say that, speaking of wine, can you fill me up, please? Yeah. Um, I will say this really beautiful moment. So the first time I was the last person because I wanted to show up the latest to sleep the latest (laughs) and the last the the last time was I was the first person in the office 
So I waited for a while to be seen. Because I was like there so early that they weren't even like seeing people. And once they did, they took the first five people in and it was me and these four other women, all of whom already had children. And we all went in together into this room and like, I think the procedures are done together. In this space, it wasn't the same. No, in I mean, like the other I was space. reading. Speaking of things that have happened for decades, I was reading Diane DePrima's Recollections of My Life as a Woman. Oh, right here, which yeah. is the best, and everyone should read it. Um, yeah. And it was the same thing. It's just like group abortions. Like that's what this this place basically was. We'll just do them in batches. Like <laughs> you guys. That's how this. The first time was not that way. The second time was that way. And so we all kind of, you know, but this first time there was like a group recovery room. Yeah. But the second time, so we all kind of like were let out at the same time because it was this type of thing. Yeah. And we were getting dressed in the like changing lo- changing room, locker room. Yeah. This one woman turned to me. She already had like two kids and she just like hugged me. And we stood in there and we hugged together and we were just like, it was over, it was done, it was this like moment, it was finished. Like the relief and the joy and the like. That's amazing. It was just just this moment, like, God bless you, thank you. I had a similar moment the first time. The first time it was a male nurse, a male doctor, and a male anesthesiologist. No women in the room except for me. And it was just us. And it was the first time a man had ever examined me. I had never, I had always had a female doctor. And so I was a bit stressed about that, but I also was just like, I, this has got to happen. And I was planning on taking the pills, um, Mr. Profine, Mr. Prof, I think that's how uh-huh. you say it, Mr. Profine. And, um, and the woman was like, I do, the, the counselor, because of mandatory fucking counseling. And frankly, think, I'm happy about it, but like, I don't support mandatory counseling as a legislative move. But she was like, yeah, you could go home and take these pills and be bleeding for the next 30 days. Or 50 days. Or six days. We don't know, but yeah. like, that's what the situation is. And heavy bleeding, you, you know, tissue and all that kind of stuff. And... Or we can just do it today and you can go under. The anesthesiologist, because I was the last person, was already leaving. He had already changed out of his scrubs. Uh, And they, like, found him before he left. Oh, yeah. And I went in and it was me and they said, oh, wait, you're not supposed to get, and you're not supposed to go under. And I was like, well, then I'm not doing it. That's the whole deal. And they were like, oh, no, we found him. I was like, okay, great. Oh, boy. So I was sitting there, and the male nurse was there, and the male, do- male and the anesthesiologist walked in. He was like, "I'm out of my scrubs, but I can still do it." And I was like, "Okay, great, perfect, wonderful." Like, That's whatever. just what you want. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. Just in a rush. Like, yeah, real, real. And and the nurse who took me in was like, it said on my chart, last chart, and she was like, "Boy, am I glad to see you here." Like long day at the abortion clinic. It's intense. It's intense. It's not. It's like, honestly, it was the most empowering. Both times were the most. The first time, most certainly, was the most empowering experience of my life at that point. Yeah. The second time was very empowering. I don't know if it was equally as empowering. It was very matter of fact. It happened very. It was four weeks. It was like, this this is the choice and this is what's happening. Um, But. Yeah, so he, so the anesthesiologist, like, as I was there, you know, you're, you're sit, you're in, you're in a gown, your legs are up in the stirrups, you're in a room that's three men and you, there's a man sitting between your legs with a light glaring into your vagina. It's like, it's the most private experience and yet the most, you know, completely sterile and crazy experience. And... The anesthesiologist had like hooked me up or, you know, done whatever with the needles that he needed to do. And he had said, you know, count backwards. And as he said that, he started like rubbing my forehead with his thumb as he started humming. And it was like the most human, beautiful moment. The doctor said like two words to me, which were, 
He patted my legs, which meant I needed to put them in the stirrups. And he said, okay, Lauren. That was it. Not, hi, Lauren, I'm so-and-so. It was, okay, Lauren. Oh, my God. And... what are you, chattel? Could you imagine? And yet he saved my life. And yet... I thanked, I, in the recovery room, I saw him and I was still coming out of anesthesia, anesthesia and I yelled across the room, thank you. And I also don't know. Because of my manners, by the way. Because <laughs> right, you are well-mannered, not ill-mannered. I'm going to let you know and that I love you. I also, here's the thing. Compassion. I do not know what it must be fucking like to have your job be to just do abortions all Constantly. day long. I don't day, know what that does to your psyche, but it must do something strange. I'm not saying like sure. something dark. Well, but it must be, do something so much strange. negative so going you up must towards need you. to just kind of so, like have these boundaries, yes. right? Where okay, Lauren, I'm last chart. Happy to see you. Chart. Okay, Lauren. Yeah. I'm the last chart. But there's someone out there, Mr. Anesthesiologist. Who knows how to? He really wasn't in his scrubs. Handle it. But he came in. He put me under. He rubbed my forehead and hummed while I fell asleep. That is really beautiful. It was. I wish I could contact him. Yeah. And tell him how much it means to me because it was such a beautiful thing that I experienced. And I woke up and. It was over, and I had made the choice to finish it and to, like, finish the experience. I don't want this experience anymore. I don't want to continue this pregnancy. I don't want to become a mother right now. It's not the right time. It's not where I'm at. And when I came out of it all, I was so... The relief and the the, the calm was... It was... It was I, and the power. It was like, I made this choice yeah. it was gonna go this way or that way yeah going under is so intense too because yeah. you wake up and you're just like you've been in a very strange sleep and then you wake up into another way of being yeah that's exactly right it's sort of like an alice in wonderland kind of situation yeah you just go into this sort of like down the abortion rabbit hole. That's exactly what happens. It's like yeah. you find out you're pregnant. You're like, fucking God damn it. This is not, this can't, I can't, I don't want to be pregnant. Yeah. And the thought of, of, you know, I come from great privilege and I could, I could get to Canada or go to France or do, you know, yeah. I'm one of, I'm within that sector of people that could have the abortion no matter what happens. But that's, is a very that's the one fucking percent you know what I mean like that's that's that is not the reality of the situation they're fucking expensive as hell and people can't afford them and they should just be free yeah. and on demand without apology period every day of the week constantly all the time <sighs> makes me think also about which I think I've already talked about but now I'll know that I've talked about it again. The row, the row episode will be very, will always be referring to it. But <laughs> it reminds me when I was in Colorado and I started Women at the Millennium. We did um, like, uh, uh, what are they called? Emergency pregnancy pregnancy clinics, and they're like they give you free pregnancy tests, mm. but they are um, funded by anti-choice organizations. And so they tell you, like, they show you a video about, like, the fetus feeling pain, and they show you yeah, all this different stuff. All that shit. So yeah. I went in and posed as pregnant. <laughs> and then I didn't know what to do, and I needed counseling to see, like, what the answers were. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Truly unbelievable. They gave me a pamphlet that said that condoms spread AIDS. <gasps> Yeah. No, yes. They didn't. I actually not. used to still. I I think no. when I moved to New York, I threw all that away. I used to have all that stuff. No. I think I still have the like project that I worked on, but I don't have the pamphlet. See, I'm pretty sure that I got like mostly factual information, probably distorted, but because this wasn't a school, this was an emergency pregnancy right. clinic. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was some bullshit. That's crazy. 
But you had absolutely. I'm just trying to think of like how much like propaganda I received, and but it, it was, was probably. Well, in Catholic school, it was, and it was just a lot of like gross out, shock you, freak you out stuff. So I don't think it was necessarily a lie, but it was like um, the exaggerated version of something. Yeah, it was like trashy TV or something. It was just like sensationalist. Trashy TV, sex ed. Oh my god, that's a sketch. <laughs> trashy TV, sex ed. Yeah, that is a sketch. That's what it was. Um, oh my god. So that's I'll funny. just I'll just end with this, which is that. Along these lines, in high school, I went to public high school. I wasn't in Catholic school anymore. And there was, like, real sex ed where they actually told you what was going on. And um, my parents decided that I would be pulled from that class. What? And have a study hall. Stop it. Instead of going to real sex ed. Yeah, it was like I was... Becca! Yeah, so it was like, it was during health class, there was a sex ed unit and when my parents got a load of this, because my mom was on the curriculum committee or something, yeah, my parents got a load of this. They were like, "Nope, like not going to this class." And so unbelievable. And also, it was like very funny because like I'm I sure. was the valedictorian, yeah. and like I just <laughs> I, <laughs> I got to just like you were the prom queen. I, I was the prom queen. I got to just, like, um, go to study hall instead of going to class. And so for me, there was, like, this kind of fun yeah. part to it, too, where I was like, ha-ha, like, I don't have to do that unit or yeah, whatever. Ha-ha, like, you guys. I got out of something for once in my fucking life. And so I was like, I don't really care, but this is weird. This is strange. And then, and then they were distributing a pamphlet, like a... I don't know, like a chapbook almost of like information about reproductive rights in the high school, Nicolay High School, Glendale, Wisconsin. Um, and they were passing this around, distributing it, distributing it to students. And my mom got a load of this and she wrote a, a letter, like an op-ed style letter yeah. to the North Shore Herald. Yes, yeah, she did. And decided to protest the fact that Nicolay High School had decided to distribute this sex chat book. <laughs> I'll call it as a shorthand. Sure. And so I we're like we get the, you know, community newspaper, North Shore Herald in our house and I read this and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. And so then I wrote back I wrote back to the Herald. Stop it. And responded to my mom's letter. And they loved it. They were like all over it. Here's oh, this like 16 year old like debating god. with her mother in this public forum. Oh my god. And I don't even mention Becca. a I don't mention a word of it to my mom. I'm just like whatever. Oh and so she finds out by like reading the Herald. <laughs> you are killing me right now. Yeah. You are killing me right now. So she finds out that I did this via reading the Herald in a casual way. And then she gets real mad at me, which is I would have talked to her about it. And I was like, whatever. Like, you have the right to just, like, pick up the pen and write to the Herald. Like, I have that right, too. And I was, like, very confident in my right to just, like, express my opinion publicly to the North Shore community. And so I did that. And then... And then, like, the anticlimactic but funny end to the story is that the local news called our house and wanted Stop to, like, it. do a profile of Stop us. It. Like, what a... F- like, they had gotten wind of this. Stop. And they were like, what a funny mother-daughter relationship. We want to know what's up with them. So this local newscaster, oh my Dwayne God. Gay, wanted to um, interview us. But we just kind of, like, never got back to them and kept stalling because, like, we couldn't... We were both just, like, whatever. Fuck like, this, we yeah. don't want to... We don't really want to, like, get involved with this. So we didn't do it. So in the end, it was anticlimactic. But it was very funny that somehow, like, this was sensational. Again, sensational. It, <laughs> enough yeah. to get the local news interested. That's exactly so, right. So, I mean, maybe that is... That is exactly the flavor of my childhood slash teenagery yeah. and abortion uh, local news 
flavor. Right. It's kind of it's kind of around there. And mine was like staunch. And yours is like real politics and real politics, action. Politics, action. So, yeah. So cheers. you win. <laughs> no. Wrong. The point is we had very strange strange youths in terms of abortion. Regarding abortion. And thus ends I love abortion. I love abortion. I'm going to say this. Never go back. Never go back. Never go back. Never go back. You better run, motherfuckers.